We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Arizona, Colorado, Indiana, Michigan, New Jersey, Tennessee, and Virginia. WinBet is now live in all these states, and the excitement of Win Las Vegas has finally landed in online sports betting and casino play. From boosted parlays to live in-game odds on every major sport, WinBet gives you the tools to win. Sign up today for your risk-free $1,000 sports bet. Download the WinBet app now or visit wynnbet.com to start winning this thing on see now i'm getting mad because it's getting ready to be on i want my whiskey to bite me a little bit this is the kind of psychopath that i hang out with i got beat up outside of a denny's the rock pile report with buffalo bills season ticket holder drew gear he likes to get the his nose something i can't do with this podcast because i drink too much chris krueger my rollerblading blonde mohawk producer the pettiest hardest drinking Bill's Podcast. I'm an adult. I know what I'm about. The New England Buffalo game was back and forth and close. And it really came down to three plays and one series. And it was all Josh Allen. Fourth and one. New England's got it absolutely booked in. First down. New England had it perfectly defended. Next play, third and ten, big play. Shovel pass to Stephon Diggs. They get down to the red zone. And once again, New England's got the people in the right spot. Nope. Dawson Knox. Those three plays are the difference between punting to Mac Jones and crossing your fingers with Buffalo's defense and winning the division and leading it. They're my Shawshank Redemption. Every time I'm bouncing around the TV set and Shawshank Redemption's on the movie, I just stop. It doesn't matter. I could be doing my taxes. It doesn't matter. I could be late for a meeting. It just, I'm going to stop and watch the rest of the movie. That's Buffalo. Welcome, everybody, to another edition of the Rockpile Report podcast. I am your host, Bill season ticket holder, Drew Gear. That's my producer, Chris Krueger. And that was FS1's Colin Cowherd talking about the Buffalo Bills and the New England Patriots. Mixing it up and the Bills clawing their way through... Two and a half miles of some of the fouling smell, the f- most foul-smelling stuff that you can imagine to take the lead in the AFC East. Chris, cheers. A drinking podcast. Yeah, I get to drink. I'm not working this week. <laughs> Company shut down for the holidays, so 
Ah, folks, what a time to be an, alive. And enjoying an old-fashioned. A, a smoked old-fashioned? No, I did get one of those smoke tops for Christmas, but uh, I did not did not smoke this. But there are, dude, there are other things that I got for Christmas. When you and Larissa started dating, like your first serious Christmas, okay, like what did her parents get you for Christmas? I'm a hard man to buy things for. I'll preface it with this. No, you're not. No, no, I am. Well, here's why. Her father has bought and returned more gifts for me before Christmas than anybody else. Because anytime he hears me say something and goes, oh, this is, I heard Drew. I was listening to him, which I don't know. Why would a man as smart as he is listen to me? That blows my mind. But so then he goes to try to buy me said thing only to find out that like a week after I said something about needing it, I just went out and bought it for myself because I'm a man. Like, I don't know. I don't need things. If there's something that I genuinely need, I scratch that itch. I go obtain that thing and it makes my life better. I'm also incredibly utilitarian, so I don't keep a lot of collectibles around. I don't do like everything I own has to have a purpose or else I doesn't. I don't have room for it in my home. I don't have room for it in my life. It's too much clutter. So propane heaters, uh, you know, like tailgate heaters, um, camping equipment, your tailgate gear. He's returned so much stuff over the years. I think he's like, he bought me a meat slicer this year, like an actual deli style meat slicer. That's the first. Did it come with a lab coat? No, but it should. Oh man, if he had if he had thrown in the lab coat, I would have gone around telling like uh, if I get any moles. I was gonna say if I get any moles, I'm I'm coming to you. But if I'm if I'm so my well, so here's the thing. Tried and true though, he always goes back to it in a pinch, and it was the very first gift, and nobody needs a conversation about it. It was just a bottle of Maker's Mark yes. because that's the quintessential. Hey. I don't know you that well yet, but you're a guy. <laughs> you're a guy who's with my daughter. And if my daughter sees fit to spend time with you, I assume that you're probably manly enough to drink this. See, that's what happened last year. Last year, last Christmas, Jessica and I had been together about five months. So first Christmas together, I had just met her parents. So maybe one or two times. So last year I got... $50 to premiere. Like, okay. go buy yourself liquor. Okay. Beautiful. This year, now we're a year and a half into our relationship. I've been around her parents, her mom and stepdad, multiple times. So, for Christmas this year, I got uh, some, I got three pebble ice trays, which are in the freezer, <laughs> making pebble ice, a Boston shaker, this Michael Kors sweater that I'm wearing right now. And then there was another thing that they got me that was a saber. They got me a Sabres hoodie. And they also got me something that Jessica was like, I can't believe my mom did this for you. And I was like, well, this is, this is when I texted you. Like, we got to open the show about Christmas presents from the in laws. Mm-hmm. Or in my case, my girlfriend's parents. Mm-hmm. So they got me something else, and I couldn't share it with anyone else but you. And we're gonna <laughs> we're gonna break it out on the podcast. Oh boy! Right, right here we are. 
Uh, he's got a cutting board. Yes. Okay, so he's just pulled a cutting board and a knife out from under the podcast table. You're he's also going to want this. Oh, no. You're a, uh, Some horseradish mustard. Yeah. You're a condiment guy. I got this smoked sausage <laughs> from them. I'm going to open it up here. It is. Folks, I'm not kidding you. It is a one and a half foot chunk of smoked sausage. There you go, sir. Hell yes. I couldn't think of anybody else except you to share this with. This smoked sausage. Oh, we had it the night, the day before Christmas. Mm-hmm. It's delicious. Oh, it's got a nice snap to the casing. The mustard hits it just per- Kudos to her. Yeah, this is from Jessica's mother. This might be the... Gr- Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas to all and to all a good night. This is already starting off as one of the greatest podcasts of all time. Yeah, you know what I'm going to do? Hmm. I'm going to wrap this. I'm bringing it Sunday to the game. Hell yes, that's right. Chris Kruger will be at the game, ladies and gentlemen. So if you're going to be there, if you've ever st- if you've stopped out at any point this season to witness our tailgate festivities, Chris is going to be there for the first time all season. Please stop by and say hi. He... he Give your boy here a shout out. Oh, dude, podcast with sausage and beers, and we're both drinking. <laughs> I don't know how it could get much better than this. And I love that we're complete. You know, people talk about being professional. Oh, well, you know, your podcast needs to have a professional sound. Don't eat sausage on the air. That's probably one, right? Yeah. Yeah. Well, screw them. <laughs> this is my show. I'll do what I want. Yeah, it's delicious. She was like a two for one deal. So we had some the night before Christmas because. Christmas Eve, also her stepdad's birthday. Shout out, happy birthday, Gary. Or Gary Gary Garcia, because it kind of looks like Jerry Garcia. That's hilarious. So we had sausage, and I got some. So I couldn't sell, I couldn't eat this without you. This is a perfect perfect placement for the podcast. Smoke sausage, talking about the, the Bills beating the Patriots. Bills football is finally back, and there's no need to exhaust yourself searching all over the internet to find Bills tickets anymore, because TickPick, that's T-I-C-K-P-I-C-K, is the original no-fee ticket site, and the only one you'll ever need as your go-to for all NFL tickets. TickPick got rid of all those awful service fees that the other ticket sites charge, which lets them guarantee the best prices on all of their NFL tickets. Don't believe it? If you can find better prices for the same seats on another ticket site, TickPick will give you 110% of the difference in purchase price. Visit TickPick.com slash RockPile to save $10 on your first order of Bill's tickets. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. 
Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. And that is it, sir. That's the only way the show could get better is if we could have a hardcore conversation about what the hell we just saw. Our Week 16 recap, the Buffalo Bills 33 and the Patriots 21. Let me give you the stats of the game. Mac Jones, 14-32 for 43%, 145 yards, no touchdowns, two interceptions, one sack, and a 31.4 quarterback rating. Josh Allen, 30-47 for 64%, 314 yards, three touchdowns, no turnovers, no sacks, and a 104.4 rating. Mac Jones, on passes more than 10 air yards downfield, was 2-for-12 with no touchdowns and two interceptions. Wide receiver Isaiah McKenzie, 11 of 12 for 125 yards and eight. That's right. Ocho. We. The, the V with the three I's after it if you're into Roman numerals. All career highs and one touchdown. Josh Allen, 64 rushing yards, 5.3 yards per carry and four first downs, which were all team highs. All $24 million of Hunter Henry and Jonu Smith. Six targets, one catch for nine yards, no first downs or touchdowns. The Bills' offensive line, seven total pressures by defensive linemen, six of them coming from Barmore against our interior offensive line. Matthew Judon, one pressure, no tackles for loss, and one solo tackle. And Chris, you wonder why you saw him throwing temper tantrums? Yeah. Yeah. Bills playing out of position on the offensive line. Ryan Bates, one pressure allowed, Highest, okay, highest pass blocking rating of his entire career. Spencer Brown played both left and right tackle. One pressure allowed. Solid pass block grade. Mitch Morris was the only Bills offensive lineman to play the whole game at the same position from wire to wire. Ten combined fourth down conversion attempts between the two teams. Eight successful conversions, which tells you what kind of game this was. Time with the lead. Buffalo, 60 minutes. It's awesome. We led wire to wire, yet you were so... Tied or with the lead, 60 minutes. Yeah, and you were so mad about it on Sunday. (laughs) Well, let's talk about it. This is one of the first games Chris and I got to sit down and watch all season on a Sunday, and we did so in public, no less. Oh, yeah. Leo's Pizzeria over there in Lancaster. What's your take on the place? Uh, it's uh, they don't have these in when I lived in Atlanta. They didn't have this like a pizzeria bar type place, which is what Leo's is. But it definitely had an upscale feel to it. I like the the stone backdrop to the bar. They they didn't they weren't one of those places that were like, hey, let's just get a TV in every location we can. There was it's well thought out. Yeah, it was well planned out. Enough TVs on the walls to be able to watch, but. I do like that I pointed out we we saw a Twitter friend walk in. <laughs> one of the highlights of the day, folks, uh, Netminder97 on Twitter, uh, one Buffalo Tendy. He comes, so we had had some interaction with him. He was home for the holidays in Buffalo from uh, Texas. And he'd had some rough interactions with some of you weirdos out there on the social media. Listen, Chris, are, isn't it true of every population, right? Like, there's Bills fans who are cool. And you can travel from all over the country to hang out with them, and 
you have a good time. Like, just intrinsically, you know enough about them that you know, hey, let's meet up, let's have a blast, let's have a couple beers, we'll have some laughs, we'll talk some shit, it'll be fun. I feel like you and I have done a good job of being those people, correct? Yeah. Okay. So, with that in mind, <laughs> that minder had a little bit of friction, he had some bad times, and so he kind of, I think after a handful of rowdy, <laughs> some loudmouth soup, declared that he was done trying to meet up with people, because I, I reached out to him, and I was like, hey, let's catch up for a beer, and he was like, I'm not doing that, you people are all weird, I'm only sticking to Twitter, I'm not talking to any of you people anymore, in real life. So doesn't he come walking into the bar with his brother? who looks, I mean, spitting image, they look like they could be twins, come walking into the bar and sit down a table away from us. And Chris and I sat there for about five minutes. I noticed him immediately. Waiting to see, like, how are we going to play this? So I sent him some drinks and then tweeted at him. It was just like, hey, turn around. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was a good time. And I'm glad we got to I, see this is what I mean. And so halfway through the game, he's coming over and he's making conversation with us. And we're talking. We're I think that we do a good job of representing what this, because think about it. Not everybody has our ability. <laughs> you Between you and me, you, you're the face, just, yeah. I'm the mouth, and between the two of us, we seem to, like, everybody who's traveled here to Buffalo, you know, Hugo from Portugal is going to be here this weekend. Major Yulberg came up the, the past this past week. Everybody who goes out of their way to hang out with us Walks away from it as a positive experience. Well, I shouldn't say everybody, but most people who go out of their way to seek us out, whether it's at a tailgate, whether it's at a bar, whether it's anywhere. I thought you were going to use the word you and representing Bill's Mafia in the same sentence, no. which should never happen ever. I think in terms of just people that you would meet on social media who are also who they sound like they are in real life. Yeah. I think we're the best at that. Hopefully now that now that we've met him, he will read your tweets in, in that voice. In your voice and know how that tweet is coming across. <laughs> Hopefully. But I'll tell you what. And and this is something, you know, as we kind of get into the actual game action. As I was talking to Tendi about the game, I told him you know, he said, hey, what do you think we're in store for? Because it was early in the game. I said, the fact that despite the issues with COVID and the fact that we're lacking all these playmakers, that we left Breda, Sweeney, and, and as inactives, while keeping both Stevenson and McKenzie on the field simultaneously, pretty much advertised that offensive line situation be damned. We were in for a shitload of Josh Allen rocket balls. I'm happy to see that they didn't disappoint us, Chris, because... That's the reason that we are currently sitting on top of the AFC East. Yeah, well, during the game, a lot of things tended to disappoint you, even though we had the lead the entire time. Yeah, see, folks, Chris doesn't. What you don't understand about me is that if if there's something that I can get very excited about certain things, but I'll also find just different the things that I came into the game mad about. That's fine. I'll pivot. I'll find something else to rail about because for all the things that make me happy. Sometimes just being angry makes me happy. We could, you know what? It's my comfort zone. You know what could have happened on Sunday and you still would have been mad? Is if that game turned out the way Dallas and Washington did. No, you, I think you at would, that point. No, you would still have a problem. I don't think so because I would have been so inebriated you guys would have had to carry me out of there. <laughs> it would have been like Spider-Man when they're carrying him down the train. That, that would have been that bar with me out the front door. Now, as we really dive into this recap of the game action, I... 
If you don't like Tarantino films, then this podcast might not be for you because I think the start to this conversation, the way I want to have it, you have to start at the end. According to Matthew Fairburn on Twitter, formerly of the Buffalo market, now working for the New England Patriots in the New England market, I think he works for the Athletic, doesn't he? I think so. Okay. As Josh Allen made his way to the visiting locker room in Foxborough, he yelled, I don't know who the fuck they thought I was. Now, I've retweeted it. It's on our Twitter handle at Rockpile Report. There's video of this. Okay. And it wasn't in the tunnel. It wasn't, it was, it wasn't in the locker room. It was on the sideline, surrounded by his teammates in full view of anyone, any Patriots player or fan who might have been close enough to see it or hear it. That guy didn't give a single shit in that moment, and I love it. Now, I don't know the context for that statement. I don't know what prompted it. I don't know who specifically it was aimed at. And I don't care, because I don't need to. See, this game might have kicked off at 1 p.m. on Sunday. But what we saw from this football team, it started weeks ago. This has been this game that we saw on Sunday has been a long time coming. I'd say probably about in the locker room at halftime against Tampa Bay is when this game that we just saw, that's when it started. We watched Josh Allen exit the tunnel and nearly turn the entire Buccaneers team on its head by himself with a level of aggression from the quarterback position that I, it was almost like desperation. I don't know I've seen from a quarterback. And yet, despite that gutsy performance, and against Super Bowl champs, defending Super Bowl champions, and a first ballot Hall of Fame quarterback, and then another solid win against an on-the-ropes Carolina Panthers team, there was this narrative. This narrative was growing kind of like a fire. There was talk of Mac Jones being more trustworthy than Josh Allen in the aftermath of that Monday Night Football loss. The Pro Bowl snub, surprising Pro Bowl snub, that while some people might scoff at what that's worth, right? Like we as fans go, oh, we don't even watch the Pro Bowl. Why do we care? Hyper-competitive people care about how they're viewed compared to their peers. You heard from Tom Brady when he was doing that almost like barbershop series where he was just... He was just speaking freely about the entire free agency process when he goes, oh, you're going to stick with that fucking guy. You're going to stick with that fucking guy. Uh, Hyper competitive people take things personally because this is their life. This competition is it. It is what they are. And so when you disparage their work, you disparage them. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. I think, but I think uh, with the not being snubbed from the Pro Bowl, I'm sure Allen had a, well, he's still on his rookie deal, so I don't know what type of uh, Pro Bowl escalators he has in his contract. Yeah, but, but I don't to think. Mi- to miss I, out I, on but, yeah, uh, potential th- money? Yeah, but I think we've also talked about, I don't think Allen cares about the money, I mean. Because his contract is coming. Well, yeah, but also we talked about what he's done compared to other guys who've gotten paid. Allen's become more reckless, not less. That's <laughs> just how this goes. Also, just reckless punditry. Reckless punditry. Uh, that not only should people question the Bills ahead of this game like I did last week with Joe Miller, but the balls on some people to actually declare that the Bills' Super Bowl window was already closed. 
Okay, because of Josh Allen's contract and because of the quote unquote ascension of Mac Jones and the New England Patriots superior makeup. That's a lot for any one person to have to sit there and listen to. And for someone with more raw physical talent than maybe anyone to do his job ever. And heart that so many of his corollaries don't have and a desire to win that borders on reckless abandon. You don't. It's a terrible, terrible idea to put a chip that big on a guy whose shoulders are that broad. Yeah. A guy who has his level of talent. It's a terrible idea to back him into a corner like that, knowing his hyper competitive nature. And the Patriots. I'd say damn near everybody else outside of Buffalo, New York, just found that out the hard way. It wasn't a perfect day by any stretch of the imagination for the Buffalo Bills. I I want to get some uh, just a few quick negatives off my chest so that a we don't few. so that we don't have to dwell on them. Sunday seemed like everything was a negative. But the reason why is because we have number 17 and that's where this entire, entire story starts and ends. I mean, look at this. Chris, there's a few things that are worth talking about here. First of all, Josh McDaniels and Leslie Frazier, if this was being scored like a boxing match, I'd argue that Leslie Frazier did a nice job, but he did a nice job through the narrative of our offense put consistent pressure for four quarters on his opponent, on on his opponent, and they had a subpar quarterback who couldn't execute a downfield passing game against another team. Maybe this doesn't, maybe the Bills don't win as handily as they do. They did a seemingly phenomenal job when you look at the numbers. You hold the Patriots 0 for 5 on third down in the first half. They finished the game with one third down conversion for the game. You'd applaud that any other weekend except for the one that you're playing against a team who knows that, hey, listen, we know this is a four-quarter game. We know what it, we know what our limitations are on offense, so we're going to take every single opportunity on fourth down we get, unless it's insanity to do so. And they did, and they were really effective. Chris, we only stopped them on their fourth down at conversion attempts once. The entire game, we only stopped them one time. <sighs> I mean, well, they know that when they get on our side of the fifty, they can do that, and it was frustrating because they were simple concepts. Right, the things that the Patriots are working on that were work doing that they were doing well with, it wasn't supreme execution. It wasn't some trickeration and great play design. It was a pitch out. <laughs> it's like, hey, on back to back fourth down conversion attempts, we just pitched the ball out. That's it. Our running back can get two yards to the pylon faster than you can tackle him because we're going to put the fullback on the other side of the formation, and no one's going to cover that guy. I'd like to think that if we had it to do over again, we could shore that up, Chris. Right. Yeah. So it's a sm- it's a relatively small thing. But at the same time, I mean, if our offense had bogged down, this whole game could have been unraveled by the fact that we're going up against these relatively simple concepts. Like, I don't know, they throw a shallow cross to a wide open guy who they get, you know, they play action, let all the linebackers flow one way, and it's just an easy pitch and catch to a wide open wide receiver. And it was consistent. It was consistently open because we wouldn't drop safeties down into the box and give them a deep shot. Now, I understand some of the logic. You want to keep Mac Jones throwing, right? 
Oh, yeah. Yeah. You want him throwing as often as possible. So you don't want him to get lucky on a deep shot. So we're just going to keep our safeties back and not really give it to him. We're not going to get very aggressive down in the box. And we paid the price for that in the form of wide receivers consistently open on these tiny slant routes for games that, no, they didn't kill you, but they kept New England moving, and they kept him in the game. Isn't New England's uh, WR1 55-mile-an-hour wins? <laughs> yeah. No, I think so. I, mean, I think so. If, if we do indeed see a rematch of these teams, I need to know that Leslie Frazier has an answer for this. I need to, because, yes, the defense was good. They were very good. But those simple concepts that beat you will be the ones that, because they work. That's the problem. It was, <laughs> simplicity isn't supposed to win at that rate in the NFL. we got to figure that out. And Brian Dable in the red zone. Chris, this might have been the thing. Was this not the thing that I was ready to burn the whole bar down over? Oh, yeah. What, uh, what needed to happen was the bar needed to take all of their tables and basically treat it as Charty McDennis, the game of games, and nail all the tables to the floor. Because <laughs> based on Brian Dable's red zone play calling, you were going to flip some tables. Mm. God, the sausage is delicious. <laughs> well, and I hate that you put it in front of me during the part of the podcast where I'm trying to vent the things I'm frustrated about because this is... Mm. But no, Brian Dable. No, it's it's only in there. For, see, look, look at the shot that we have on the monitor. Mm-hmm. Sausage, piece of sausage, beers, mustard, and then water bottles to keep your throat nice and moist. <sighs> moist. That, that's a gross word. I like it. It's a gross <laughs> word. It freaks people out. So you guys probably heard over on the Cover One Post Game Show. I've got a real knack for getting under people's skin. Chris, since you're privy to our Twitter, obviously, you saw me DMing Greg, just needling him. You were just needling him. I know for like, I know it's like Twitter and all I'm seeing is words and I'm not like, you don't know how those words read as if Greg was in the room. You know, his face was red. He, (laughs) you got under his skin. He said He admitted that nobody can trigger him the way I do because he goes, I know you're a relatively intelligent guy when it comes to the game of football. And yet in the moment, I react emotionally rather than logically, which, if I'm being honest, it's one of my God-given rights. I'll do whatever the hell I want. And it's even funnier when I can take a smart, composed person like Greg and get him to raise his voice, get him to, uh, get, get him to, Chris, when you can provoke a reaction, right? That's how you uh, had to buy him a steak dinner in the offseason. <laughs> That's how I got him to take the bet. And I was trying to set him up for another bet. And then the Bills scored on that. The Bills scored on that uh, that, that Stephon Diggs touchdown as I was needling him about the offense, and he was he just went off. And I was like, "See, my work here is done. I, well, I, <laughs> my work here is done." I was just throwing in like small things in, into the DMs. I was like, I told him, I was like, I tried to get him to bet you a, a steak dinner that they wouldn't score here, based on Dable's red zone efficiency so far. This is the thing. I don't want people to think when they see me tweeting about the offense, because I've seen a lot of journalists come out this week about, oh, I don't, where are all the Dable haters? There's nuance here that I think some of you lose sight of, and I I get it that not everybody has the ability to, like, recognize nuance when they see it. It's one of these things where if, okay, look at it like this, Chris. Between the 20s, Dable called a really great game. 
You can be mad about the way, like, think about your coworkers. I think about my coworkers when I say this. You can, you can say that somebody's doing a bad job at a certain aspect of their job without wanting them fired, right? Correct. You can go to one of your coworkers and be like, hey, you're loading these, you're loading this cart like an asshole. Please stop doing that. I can go to some of my coworkers and be like, hey, you need to learn how to double check your your work. Read what you wrote before you pass it off to the next guy because it creates mistakes. You need to double check your your math, whatever the case may be. That doesn't mean I want that guy fired. It just means that I want there to be I need a change. Do better. In the red zone, it drives me crazy because between the twenties, three different players, Mackenzie, Diggs, and Singletary, finished with more than thirty yards after the catch, leading to fifteen first downs. That's unheard of for the Bills here in twenty twenty one. That Chris, three players each having more than that means we had more than a hundred yards after the catch for the in a game for the first time all season. Isn't that wild? Slightly. Okay. And it came against one of the better defenses in football against the pass. Uh, on the almost touchdown pass to Jake Kumaro, okay, he, he dialed up the same play. It was the same exact play design that Gabe Davis scored his second touchdown on last week against Carolina. Play action, wide receiver fakes like he's blocking, and then when the cornerback bites, breaks up the seam and towards the end zone. And again, it worked. That's two weeks in a row you call the same play and the same result. And if it wasn't for him having a better set of hands, we're sitting here again talking about what a gorgeous play design that is. I love it. Yeah, that's a tough catch, but that's one of those. It's tough for a wide receiver, but also you can make if you're an NFL receiver, you got to make that catch. Oh, for sure. But again, the design was sound. We're here talking about Dable. And just like with all the yards after the catch, he did a great job designing downfield patterns to clear out the safeties that the Patriots loved to flood the field with so that our underneath options could catch and run. When have you seen Singletary taking multiple passes for first downs? Been a minute. Hey, I'm going to turn, catch, run, first down. Been a minute. I I can't. It it feels like forever, right? It feels like it's been forever. They, they were the most aggressive version of themselves that they've been in the two years that I've been watching this team play football with this offensive coordinator, quarterback, wide receiver, one combination, right? Because when you have a Stephon Diggs, it allows you to do some different things that you couldn't do previously. And yet all of that fell apart every, every time they got inside the 10 early on in the football game. They get inside the 10, and it's like you're, again, he turns into Sisyphus, and here's Allen pushing a rock uphill. Because it, when people like Greg hear me screaming into the ether about this, it's because he's calling unnecessarily low percentage formations and plays in an area of the field where you should, if you're a quality NFL offense, have more options at your disposal. Chris, from the one-yard line, I don't think you should ever be going shotgun unless the plan is that your quarterback is going to take off and run at some point. Correct. So to know that on what what was it? Uh, it was second and it was second and goal from the one. We ran three consecutive plays out of the shotgun. Not a single run. Not a single run. 
So you know that this is a good pass defense. You know that they like to play a lot of safeties who can cover a lot of ground and are highly athletic. And you're shocked when they shut down all your short passing lanes? You're shocked when nothing's open or available to Allen. Now he's scrambling around making off-balance throws. Yeah, sure, Sanders drops one. Sanders drops one. That that hurts. But he shouldn't be catching the ball in the back of the end zone while Josh scrambles around. I feel like with the talent we have on hand, even with an offensive line that's not performing well, might be a little bit undermanned compared to our opponent. You've got Josh Allen. And yet there's no bootleg to the pylon like Doug Flutie. There's no... No, we did that later. There's no Tom Brady-esque just head down, get that one yard, head down, extend your arms, get the ball over the line. Nope, that was never in Dable's wheelhouse. Instead, we'll get cute. We'll get cute, we'll spread everybody out and hope that a lane opens up. And it did, like late in the game, that touchdown pitch to Knox. Yeah. Great job. Great job, great play design, it was well executed. But they tried something similar earlier in the game and it wasn't there. Is it that third and ten to Diggs? No, that no, was first it was the down. Knox. They tried a short pass to Notch. Knox in the same situation. As Not a shovel. Work. Not a shovel pass, but a pass. And that lane closed real quickly. I I just, I look at Brian Dable and I go, dude, you got to do better for me in this one spot. Because there will come a game against a more robust offense where that's going to matter. You can't leave points on the field like that. I don't want him fired. But I think I can ask him to do a better job. And also, everybody on this entire roster, Chris, I don't care if it's the the offensive tackles, the cornerbacks, Sean McDermott, everybody hit the jugs machine. Four drops by wide receivers. Two of them on throws that were on the hands in the end zone that could have been points on the board. Two drops by defensive players that could have been interceptions. (laughs) It felt like there were more. I was shocked when I looked at the uh, numbers after the game and found out that there weren't more drops than that. But Chris, doesn't it? These guys have to execute better for Josh Allen. (laughs) Yeah, they do. That's the thing separating him from being Patrick Mahomes and Josh Allen. If, If no touchdowns get dropped in this game, doesn't this sort of look like the blowout win KC just had over Pittsburgh? Yeah. Okay. You guys have to help him. I just, I, I don't get it. I mean, it's the difference between a good team and an elite Super Bowl winning team, and they got to figure that out. Whew. All right, and so with that, we've gotten all the negativity off our chests, much like Festivus itself. And Chris, it's time to relax and just ease into the, the glow of what this was. And I'm going to crack what is a, it's from Black Plague Brewing from Kyle Washington. How do I pronounce that? Njaya? Niha? N-Y-J-A-H? Hazy IPA? Well, call in if you know. Let's see. Ah, it's got that hazy smell to it, nice and fruity. Yeah, that's a good, that's a good drink in hazy IPA. I like that. I even got a kilt lifter over here on, on deck because we're partying because the Buffalo Bills won. Last week we sat here, Chris, with Joe Miller from Buffalo Rumblings. And I think it was more just you, me, him, sitting around drinking and a podcast kind of occurred. Well, I didn't drink. I had to go to work. Sucker. And I 
I had a whole scripted thing put together. I had questions. And instead, we just had a philosophical conversation about the Patriots and the Buffalo Bills and what this game meant to that. And over the course of that conversation, I outlined how, in my mind, this game was going to be kind of a... It was going to tell us a lot about our head coach and GM. I got to say that I am incredibly pleased with what I saw from the fruits of their labor in both instances. First of all, Brandon Bean. COVID and injuries conspire to leave this team scrambling for options at the last moment. When it was announced that we would head into kickoff without a starting one technique defensive tackle, a resurgent young wide receiver four, a veteran wide receiver two, and yet another shuffled offensive line after two of your offensive line options and potentially your left tackle are all going to be relegated to the sidelines. And starting right guard Ike Bakker tears his Achilles in the middle of the first quarter. Or was it early second? Either way, he's out for the season. I tweeted before the game that the attitude of our fan base should just be next man up. But so many fans were freaking out because the lack of execution by our depth pieces so far over the course of the season has instilled so little faith. And yet on Sunday... They were more than I ever could have asked for. F.A. Obata steps in, takes 59% of the snaps, which was the second highest among all defensive linemen. Two pressures, a hit, one hurry, and a tackle. But it was a great tackle because it saved a first down. One technique, Deli Anku, if I'm not butchering his name, fourth highest run defense grade on the team. He was a practice squad guy. Spencer Brown and Ryan Bates took on two different roles and did so cleanly. Isaiah McKenzie comes out and has a career day as a wide receiver, just abusing the Patriots secondary. I mean, most of all, Miles Bryant, the slot corner. Miles Bryant's been up and down. He's having a kind of a hit or miss year, we'll call it. But he's been relatively solid for the Patriots, and so far no one's been able to make him look like this. Isaiah McKenzie beat him nine times for 83 yards. It was just a mismatch for the Patriots that because we had so many other weapons elsewhere, they were just said, look, Bryant, you're going to have to swim on an island against McKenzie. And McKenzie ate his, uh, he ate him alive, just ate his lunch. Chris. I'm here. You're not a Singletary fan. You mean McKenzie? Oh, yeah. No, McKenzie. You're not a McKenzie fan. Not at all. No, I'm not. I mean, most of what he's done here in his time in Buffalo has been end of rounds, jet sweeps, things of that nature, getting the ball five yards or less uh, within the line of scrimmage. So what did Sunday do for you in your mind and how you now view Isaiah McKenzie? I didn't really change, but I'm going to... You have to give credit where it is due. He ran routes. He caught balls that were thrown in his direction. He probably made tougher catches. He probably made catches that were in the same vein as a tough catch as the Kumro touchdown drop and the Sanders touchdown drop. Those were to him. He probably would have caught those. He was His route running and his catching ability were on point on Sunday, so good for you. <laughs> Doing what you need to do to yeah, eat that keep, crow. keep yeah. a roster spot. Hey, why don't you go make yourself a fresh cocktail so you can wash down that mouthful of crow you just had to give our boy Isaiah McKenzie. 
But before you leave, before you walk away from the table to refill your glass, I got to ask you, do you remember the days when a single injury, one singular injury felt like it would derail everything that this football team was about and was trying to do? Yeah, it was before we had the, the new facility. No, no, but just think back to what the makeup of our roster was. You'd lose a guy in the middle of a game. I remember a game, uh, Trent Edwards era. We were playing the New Orleans Saints at home, and we had Brad Butler, who was really coming on as a right tackle. He was having a great start to the season. There was talk that in his you know third year, this might be our right tackle of the future. He's going to get a contract extension. Blah, 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 blah. He tears his Achilles in like the third quarter of that football game. And he retires because the rehab from that torn Achilles was so bad. He retires from the game of football. We were winning when he got hurt, and we went on to lose that football game badly because our offensive line just crumbled. How crazy is it to know that you can throw this wave of inactivity and injuries at this football team, and they can plug in some backups, and in some cases, backups, backups, and weather the storm impressively the way they did on Sunday? How much does that mean to you? in terms of how good this team is compared to the crap we watched throughout the 2000s. Yeah, it's pretty nice to have to have depth. I mean, what you said off the top of the show, Mortis was the only one at his position for the entire game. Yeah. And Dawkins had to come in, and he was only dressed as an in-case-of-emergency. Yeah. And we had to break that glass and use him. And look how that worked. I mean, it's just... it. It really is. It's just incredible to me. And then there's the coach. I rang the bell last week, sitting here talking about what this game would mean to Sean McDermott, what it would mean to his legacy, what it meant to the optics, and what it looked like in terms of his ability to get... Because we talked about it. You know, Alabama. How many good coaches have come and gone in the SEC simply because they couldn't beat Nick Saban? A lot. Yeah, happens in the AFC East, too. Yep, it's been happening for 20 years. And Sean McDermott doesn't have a great track record against uh, Bill Belichick. But this was going to be his fourth game against him without his Hall of Fame quarterback. And in those contests, Sean McDermott was 2-1. and one. The one loss coming on Monday Night Football... And even though everyone wanted to anoint the fact that it was over and the dynasty was back and blah, 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 I said this game was going to go a long way towards figuring out what McDermott had built here and how how sustainable that was, what the process was, what this was going to be. You could tell that this was an atypical Sean McDermott performance when you look at how aggressive they were. Chris, we are a team that very much defers to our defense. Correct. Sean McDermott trusts his defense to a fault. So on a day when you know that about your head coach, you watch him go out there and say, okay, that dickhead across the field is going to go for it every fourth down? Fine. You want to take the gloves off? Let's take them off. Let's, I, I feel like Frank, he's like Frank Costanza ripping his shirt off. And he says, let's rumble. <laughs> that was Sean McDermott on Sunday. And just how, when you look at how personally his entire team took this one, and just in the process showed everybody what they were made of. 
I mean, the Patriots have forever been showing up and punking us, out-muscling us, cheap-shotting us. I mean, Chris, I can remember games, the Fred Jackson-era Bills went to Foxborough. They weren't out of it, out of it yet, but they were pretty much on the ropes in terms of being in the hunt. And the Patriots, uh, well, what was that running back, the, the big bruiser they used to use? Um, LeGarrette Blunt. LeGarrette Blunt had over 200 yards when you factored in, he had like an 80 yard kickoff return, uh, kickoff return that he just literally went out of his way to knock one of our guys over on his way into the end zone. They bully us and we're used to that. And yet we met them nose to nose in this one and didn't blink. Spencer Brown and Darrell Williams roughed up Matt Judon. <laughs> He was irrelevant and visibly frustrated all day. And this comes on a day when the Bills rushed only three or four guys at a time to try to keep Allen in the pocket and take away his deep options. They bought Allen all the time he needed to operate. So he shreds the Patriots defense and also leads the team in rushing and almost beat New England's Damian Harris in yards per attempt efficiency. That's how great those guys did. Our wide receivers outmuscled theirs in terms of man coverage. You know, we're looking at Diggs and McKenzie in particular, who did a phenomenal job of staying slippery in man press situations. Just finding ways to get open for productive plays. And McDermott cut the passing attack loose in a way that we haven't seen from him short of that second half against Tampa Bay all season. And our secondary was physical with their bigger pass catching targets, keeping Harry, Henry, and John Smith off the stat sheet entirely. I think I think uh, Nikhil Harry had one catch. Uh, I think uh, Hunter Henry had one catch. Sounds about right. That that's that's it. He had his team ready to go to war with these guys on the back of an offense that would put consistent pressure to execute for four full quarters. I give him a lot of credit for changing his approach in a moment that called for it. A lot of a lot of coaches can't do that. Look at Vic Fangio. The the Broncos are probably not like now they're destined to miss the playoffs because their head coach, a defensive guy, can't figure out how to muster any kind of offense. He's got smart guys in the building. He's got Teddy Bridgewater, who's thrown for a few thousand yards in his career. He's got Chris. Look at the wide receivers that team has. They drafted Jerry Judy. They've got Cam. They've got uh, Cam Sutton. They've got Noah Fant at tight end. They don't have a quarterback. But Teddy Bridgewater has been good in the past. They've got Drew Locke. He's like Trent Edwards. They've got Drew Locke, a kid that they drafted in the second round who, if nothing else, can throw the football. They don't like him. Instead, what you have is a football team that's decided we're going to run, we're we're going to run the ball all the time, regardless of whether it's working or not, and trust our defense. Because they don't have a quarterback. And where that ended up, quarterback or not, it's the mentality. When you see that, Chris, I know because I started him in fantasy and somehow inexplicably wound up in the Super Bowl. When Melvin Gordon has negative four rushing yards on seven attempts, when Javonta Williams finishes with negative rushing yards, you know that it's you. It's your scheme. It's what you're doing. But also, you don't give them 20 carries. But Fangio doesn't have another speed. He just says, well, we'll run the ball. We'll play conservative and our defense will win it. That's not how the NFL works sometimes. Not when you want to play at highly competitive levels. So good for McDermott for showing that he has another gear, that he has a second speed that he's willing to show teams when it matters. And then remember how we always talk about McDermott versus rookies statistically? Yeah. He dominates these guys. 
in the first match of weather and game script allowed the Patriots to hide Mac Jones in a way that no team's been able to hide a quarterback since I think the days of black and white TV back in the 50s when you just didn't have to throw. You run the triple option. It'll be fine. That wasn't the case on Sunday, and the results were typical of what McDermott's done to first-year signal callers. I, it was it blows my mind because the New England offensive line had great protection all day. Great protection. Our defense was just too much, and the the, the things that we were throwing at him pre-snap and post-snap were too much for him to process. I mean, there's some really damning stuff here statistically. First of all. EPA, Chris, I know you don't understand this. It's a fancy term for expected points added, which means this play does on a given drive with everything else that happens around him is supposed to add X number of fractional or whatever points to my team's chances to score like EPA. I I could go down a rabbit hole with this stuff, trying to explain the fine metrics to you, but you wouldn't do a good job of explaining. Probably not. It's. It's a measure of a play's value as it pertains to your team scoring points because you executed well. In that moment, Josh Allen was good when you look back at his game in totality because he finished with 21.7 EPA on 49 pass attempts. Mac Jones finished the game with negative 0.6. It's one of the worst margins by any quarterback this season in any game. Essentially, Mac Jones contributed less than one point in expected scoring to his team and actually cost them a fractional point. So sticking with that narrative, while everyone was kissing this kid's ass, Jones was getting rid of the ball decisively in less than two and a half seconds. Whenever he was going on the Mac Jones ass-kissing tour, it was because he was getting rid of the ball quickly. And we talked about it in this podcast. I think I made the point a week or two ago that New England for over a month has been scoring touchdowns on scripted drives to open halves and kicking a ton of field goals in between. There's not a lot of scoring that doesn't happen if it's not set up for Mac Jones. If he can't come out and figure out where his targets are going, he does not do well. Sunday, Mac Jones had the second highest time to throw in the NFL. It's 3.17 seconds. For a quarterback who doesn't throw the ball downfield often with a ton of confidence, that that tells you that his early dump-off and short slant options were just taken away. The Bills found a way to make him stand in the pocket. They said, listen, that easy dump-off you're used to getting to Brandon Bolden on third and ten for a first, yeah, that's gone. That that easy check down to an open tight end, yeah, we're taking that away too. Just excellent zone coverage from the linebackers in the secondary. Jones finished, and it wasn't like he wasn't trying. He finished top 15 in the NFL for aggressive throw percentage, meaning that he was challenging tight windows all day. But it just didn't go well. He forced him to have to process, get deeper into his progressions than normal, and keep all of his mechanics in check at the same time. And where we ended up is... Just balls thrown into his wide receiver's feet, rainbow passes to nowhere, not being on the same page with his wide receivers. It it was damning stuff, and you saw this guy fall apart. Chris, who finished with the highest time to throw in the league this week? Mac Jones was second. Who do you think was first? Josh Allen. You're fucking right, Josh Allen. 
which shows you that when your quarterback, like if you're the New England Patriots, when your quarterback tries to walk in our quarterback's shoes behind a better offensive line, our guy walks on water like Wyatt Earp and Tombstone. And Mac Jones, you're slow to the draw like Johnny Ringo. And that's how that ends. That's a credit to our coaching staff for exposing the Patriots guy while putting ours in a position to lift our team up with what might be one of the greatest performances I think I've ever seen from a Bills quarterback in the moment, considering the stakes, considering the situation. And that's why our hero of the week is Josh Allen. Do you know who the real heroes are? The guys who wake up every morning and go into their normal jobs and get a distress call from the commissioner and take off their glasses and change into capes and fly around fighting crime. All right. I know I have an open beer and a second one. I'm going to open a third one for this. Because we've come full circle here. I don't know who the fuck they thought I was. Those are the words from our quarterback, Josh Allen, in the aftermath of this football game. And they could have been about anybody. About the media? About Bill Belichick? Did his stupid Joe Dirt-looking son? <laughs> about the Patriots defensive players? Patriots fans? Could have been about Pro Bowl voters? It literally could have been about any and all of the above. It wasn't his teammates. Because they know who he is. Isaiah McKenzie talked to Peter King ahead of his Football Morning in America column this week. McKenzie was quoted as saying, I was told if it was man-to-man, Josh was coming to me, and I had to come up with it no matter what. I did knock the wind out of myself, but there was no way I was dropping the ball because Josh was trusting me. I think... Like that stuff right there, like guys who Chris, that's a guy who hasn't seen the football field all season in a major offensive capacity. But when the moment came, he goes, I got to step up. Why? Because 17 told me I have to. But I think even better, the quote of the entire interview, McKenzie told Peter King, Josh told us all. He woke up with violence on his mind. We felt that from the first play of the game. Chris, I'm not being an asshole. Maybe you guys can see it on camera. I got goosebumps. <laughs> I've got goosebumps. Just say, I mean, does anybody else, you hear that about your quarterback? It should. It should draw that reaction. And then you look at what happens in this game. You see Devin Singletary from the start, Chris, that you know, we missed the first throw, it's second and ten, and you say, okay, here we go. And they throw a screen pass to Devin Singletary, and he carries Kyle Duggar seven yards for a first down. That's not a brand of physicality we're used to seeing from Devin Singletary, is it? No. Spencer Brown manhandling and trading shots and words with Matt Judon throughout the entire first quarter. Just Mixing it up with a dude who's got way more, a much larger pedigree. It's probably much higher on the food chain in terms of raw, developed talent than he is. Didn't matter. Deion Dawkins, fresh off the COVID list, having missed practice and conditioning all week, 
knock the rust off on the fly to join the fight when Bakker goes down 20 snaps into the game. There's a great clip from Zach Cox on NESN. It's at Zach Cox NESN on Twitter. On that third and 10 flip on Buffalo's last touchdown drive where Allen just finds Diggs and he flips it to him and he runs, Deion Dawkins pancakes Matt Judon, hands him his ass. Isaiah McKenzie, knowing how important his role was going to be, had the game of his life. And it was because he knew that there was, this wasn't a question of if you can. It's that you have to. There is no question that you have to step up right now in this moment. Answer the bell. The heart and soul of this football team told his guys, I'm going to a fist fight. You co- are you guys coming? And to a man, even when they would have had every excuse in the world not to step up, whether it's because, hey, listen, I'm a backup. Listen, I'm not a starter. Listen, I'm not supposed to be out here. <laughs> I, I can't execute at a high level. No, they all just shut up and did their jobs. Because the most passionate guy on the entire football team said, I need you today. They stepped up beside him and blasted an opponent that... Maybe they all felt a little bit like they had it coming to them. You know, like, fuck these guys. It's been it's been enough. We've had enough. I've heard enough. <laughs> People shocked at the Patriots' inability to box in our passing attack. They shouldn't be. You saw it in the finer metrics. The Patriots' secondary, they got the General Sherman treatment from our offense because their outside corners were trying to play with outside leverage to keep our wide receivers in front of them so Josh couldn't air it out on them with safeties back, talented safeties and they got no support from anybody on the inside but it's not because they were scared of a Jonathan Taylor-esque running back it's not because our offensive line demanded respect, it was one guy, Josh Allen his rushing threat the fact that he was just he, the fact that he was willing to put his body on the line and yet be patient in key moments. Check down. Sure, check down. We've cleared him out. I'll check down and let you eat him up so then I can eat him up on the next play. And we're going to keep punching these guys in the mouth and keep them off balance all day. To what was supposed to be the NFL's best defense in DVOA? You, listen, great. You have all the stats. In in the face of the best the best quarterback that maybe the Bills have ever had. And I say that, I don't say that lightly. With more weapons than any team they've played against, too many threats to account for. Everything that they've done unraveled. The best defensive mind in football, with all the money they spent this offseason and all the draft capital they invested on both sides of the football, Allen laid it to waste in 60 minutes. Breaking records, breaking Boston football fans' hearts. WEI was an just a sea of anarchy amongst Patriots faithful, robbed of their optimism. And that cockiness, yeah, they just got kicked in the teeth. Nobody was happy about this. Gone was that swagger that they, we robbed them of it. We took it. We deboed them and took that swagger away from them. In the process, he also set fire to so many of the different narratives that have been created over the last month of football about him and his play. And for all the doom and gloom that was surrounding his football team heading into this contest, Chris, where are we now? We're in week 17, and the Bills and the Chiefs are the betting favorites to win the AFC. Isn't that where we started? That's what I like to hear. 
Because you have two quarterbacks and two great coaches with two great football teams who said, listen, I don't care about anybody else. I don't care what you do. I've got this guy. You've got that guy. We'll see you when it matters. Josh Allen is the equalizer for whatever the hell it is any other team wants to bring to the table and whatever adversity fate might throw into the mix. And we get to reap the benefits of that. Now, (laughs) it feels good to drink to this. You're like chugging the beer over there. I went too hard in the paint, started to foam up on me. But you know, listen, I'm not I'm not an amateur over here. And Chris, I had a zero the week picked out, but you know what? I don't even want to do that. Nope, I'm in too good a mood. You can't bring me down. Now I'm all fired up. I got Josh Allen goosebumps. Whoever thought that I would have goosebumps over a quarterback that I was once naked screaming on a balcony drunk? I saw it coming. <laughs> You you knew he was going to be this good? I knew he wasn't going to be a bust. Hell, Iman from Q42. Yep. Guy who tailgates with us every week. He's he going to be there on Sunday? He's going to be there on Sunday, and we're cooking up something. Oh, just wait. Guys, if anybody's planning on coming out to the tailgate. But not only am I sitting here now all fired up getting goosebumps over this guy, his wife was at the tailgate for the uh, the Carolina game. And she and I had like a teary-eyed kind of moment talking about Josh Allen and about this idea that he, Chris, he could have chose not to be here. You mean he could have John Elway'd us? Absolutely. You could, he could have chosen to say, listen, I'm, I'm uber talented and this is Buffalo, New York. I, I want to go play in a bigger market. I'll make more money. I'll I'll get more endorsements. I'll do I can all- see that the Bills have not developed a quarterback that they drafted since probably Joe Ferguson. Well, we also haven't drafted many worth a damn. But <laughs> uh, let's see here. There's Trent Edwards, Jim Kelly, uh, but Jim Kelly does not fall in that category because he was made in the USFL. Uh, Todd Collins, EJ Manuel, JP Lossman. Yeah. So he could have. Hardballed his way to free agency. Who wouldn't have paid? You, you, you don't think that there's not a GM out there or an owner that wouldn't pay a king's ransom to land them a Josh Allen? Uh, at draft time, no, because everybody thought he would have. If anybody's going to bust, it's going to be him, not Josh Rosen. Okay, but so if he decided not to sign an extension here, went the Kirk Cousins route. Kirk Cousins forced his way off that Washington roster. And look at him. He's amazing in Minnesota. But my point is, who wouldn't pay a king's ransom for a Josh Allen in the free agent market? A lot of people would. She and I kind of got misty-eyed at the fact that he didn't have to sign the extension. He didn't have to agree to be here. He picked us. He picked us, and I just... I'm... I'm <laughs> at the risk of sounding fanboyish, I... It... It's crazy to think that we're here after all these years of suffering. We have the guy. Not just a guy. Because I think 10 years ago, we would have been happy with a guy, right? Yeah. Give me a Kirk Cousins. People would have been happy to have Kirk Cousins seven years ago in a Bills uniform. We now have one of the guys. I just... It's... It's just an amazing thing to sit here and just bask in. 
Final thoughts of the game, Chris. I got to compose myself a little bit. I need another chunk of this sausage here. You have one on the table. Yeah, I'm I'm two fisting. I'm three fisting beers. You think I'm not two fisting sausage? Your Easy. final thoughts. Well, it's not that nuanced as what you have written down. It's another win. Another step closer to clinching a playoff berth. That's what we need. Get all the wins we can so we can get in the playoffs and make some noise. You hope so, right? Yeah. That's what we hope so. I think that there are certain games that you walk away from and you say, it's just one game. We've got X number left, and that's what matters. Coach speak. I don't think this is one of them. To me, this game felt like a massive referendum on the state of the AFC East and a reaffirmation of what Sean McDermott's been building here since he was hired. We were talking last week about just how it felt like all the promise of 2020. Like, it was supposed to represent a stepping stone to something bigger and how that was fading. And there's the national narrative was kind of turning against us and that we even as a fan base were starting to doubt that the end of the dynasty for the Patriots wasn't just a blip on the radar. That talk was loud and it was getting louder. It was bleeding through in the commentary, the way our own media addressed our players. That frustration was starting to filter through. And from the head coach to the quarterback to the other 52 players on the field, you could see the weaponization of that kind of talk. Look at the way unheralded players just stepped up. It's in the way Sean McDermott took the reins off his team, took the reins of our quarterback and let them toss balance and caution to the wind instead of throwing haymakers at an outclassed opponent like a bully on the playground at school because they've been bullying you forever. It was in the way Stefan Diggs, okay? Stefan Diggs, who is a classy guy, a classy competitor, scores his touchdown and then goes to the back of the end zone and starts pointing out individual Patriots fans to motherfuck them on his way past the end zone. It's in the way that according to Tim Graham of The Athletic, Jordan Poyer walked down the tunnel of the locker room yelling, where's that Jerry Sullivan at? What the fuck's he got to say now? It was in that haunted look on Bill Belichick's face when he watches the time expiring on the clock and rips his headset off. And that attitude, just that sour attitude that he addressed the media with in the aftermath. The Bills just sent a message to everyone that this thing that they've built here is very much still alive. And it's not going to be outclassed by smart coaches or millions of free agency dollars spent or some bullshit narratives that let a couple folks walk around with their chest puffed out. The confidence and swagger that this team has is real. And it's one that's been built, not bought. It's been cultivated, not contrived. I just... The Bills media team released a preseason hype video that had Steve Tasker in it, Chris. You remember that one? I just remember the uh, Might Be Chili from last year. For the 2021 season, they released this video, Steve Tasker, and the song that they picked for it 
was from the Arkells, which I don't even know where they're from. It's a big thing here in Buffalo, and I don't know why. I've never heard of them. Never heard of them either. But years in the making, I went back and I, after a dozen beers, went back and rewatched that video. And it was fitting for the night after the game. Because this win was years in the making. And it's a reminder that as badly as the media and the NFL at large want to, might want to believe that the Patriots are quote-unquote back. Even when they're undermanned in critical areas, it doesn't matter. The Buffalo Bills are still the class of the AFC East, whether you people like it or not. It's a great feeling. And I don't care if anybody else minds. I'm going to bask in it for a little bit longer. Chris... I can't wait to eat the rest of this sausage, but for tonight, we got to get the hell out of here. I'm Drew Gear. that's Chris Krueger, and this has been your Rock Pile Report. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.